I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. Welcome back. We are into my favorite. No, it's not my favorite month, but I like it because it's my birthday month. We're in February now, folks. And pretty soon, you know, we've done about 70 shows, Gary. We're going to have our our one-year anniversary pretty soon. We're still getting very close to uh, our one-year anniversary. And having done 70 shows, 70-plus shows, I think is just outstanding. And it's been a whole lot of fun. And I thank you listeners for listening. I thank you listeners for listening. Last week was our second biggest week of all time as far as people listening. So I thank you very, very much. And hopefully you will enjoy this show. A lot of things happened this week, Gary, as far as uh, I should say last week. A lot of things happened. What's on your mind? Where do you you want to start? A lot of stuff did happen uh, last week. So, you know, I guess we'll start with this. Speaker Pelosi talked about the enemy from within. What was that all about? I have no clue what she yeah. meant when she said that. You know, so you know, you got to explain that to me. Well, a little well bit. Gary, you know, it's it's something that's um, kind of foreign to me as well, and I was saddened to hear her say that. I think it was somewhat of a response to what happened on on January the sixth with the Capitol riots, and I know that because of that, things have changed. You have you have troops all over the place in the Capitol. Now you have the Capitol fenced off. And I, I hope that that is only a temporary thing because, you know, it shouldn't be that way. And, and I remember, I can go back, Gary, when you were able to walk by the White House without any problem and they secured that off after 9-11. That's not what we are. And I, and I don't think that it's an image that we want to show the world that we have to fence off Americans or our own people or people here in the United States from our government. It's just the wrong, wrong message. And and I know that one person that they've been trying to turn into the new demon, I'm not going to get into that with her because I don't, I don't think that the Congress should be focusing in on turning people into bad people. Or if, if, I'm not sure if she's bad or not bad, but let's do your work. Let's do your job. Let's do your job and let's help the American people. I'm not looking at taking one person and trying to make that person a showcase for, for badness. I've seen the movie. I've seen so many people demonizing in Washington, both when I was in Washington, Newt Gingrich, as well as when I left Washington. They love to demonize people, and now they don't have Trump to beat up on anymore. I guess they do. We're going to talk about the impeachment, I guess, or the trial, I should say, a little later. Now they're using some other person. Just do your job. And, and the thing that baffles me the most is, is what the media does not want to cover. One quick, simple question, media. You should ask somebody this question. Please, 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 please ask someone this question. And that may be a rhetorical question for, as far as I'm concerned. Who is in charge of the Capitol building? Who is in charge of the Capitol building? I know the answer. And to me, the person who's in charge of the Capitol building should take some responsibility for what took place on January 6th. Just ask, who's responsible for the Capitol building security? Now, you can say, oh, it's a sergeant of arms. Who does the sergeant of arms report into? It was made very clear that the Capitol Police asked for backup, not once, maybe two or three times, and they were denied the backup. Who denied them the backup? They won't ask that question. They won't ask that question. So let's look at a bank break-in. If someone was trying to break, break into a bank and the branch manager was told that Jesse James was coming, to break into the bank, 
the branch manager should take action to prevent that from happening. Now, the people who are law enforcement told someone that people were coming and they were going to do bad things, and someone at a higher level ignored it. But it's all right. Media's going to wash their hands. It's all right. That's fine. It's fine. We don't want to know. We just don't want to know. No, it doesn't work that way. I am sick of people not taking responsibility for when things go badly, Hillary Clinton. Benghazi, oh, well, you know, what difference does it make when four people died? When an ambassador never in his lifetime thought that the United States would not have his back, and they didn't. And the Secretary of State said before Congress, what difference does it make? And then today we have Governor Cuomo. Now, we had a cousin who died in a nursing home, Gary. Governor Cuomo put people into nursing homes, referred people back into nursing homes. And guess what? They died. Many of them died. And guess what he did? He never reported them as being a death from a nursing home because what would happen is the person would be suffering in the nursing home and he would make sure that that person died, technically speaking, in the hospital. So the ambulance would drive the person to the hospital and they would perish. They would die there. And so it would never show up as a statistic. He did this to the tune of well over 4,000 people, three to 4,000 people he counted as having died in the hospital when in reality they were actually nursing home deaths. And he was advocating putting people in a nursing home. And, you know, obviously it was a mistake. You know what he said? He said, well, you know, we did the best we could. <laughs> what? <laughs> Can't you say? I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It was a judgment call. And I did what I thought would be best, but I was obviously wrong. And I apologize for fudging my numbers as well. That's all you gotta do. Just be honest with the people. Just be honest with the people. And getting back to the, the American people elected each one of you who walked into the hall of the chamber you are elected by almost the exact same number of people, by Americans, and you should be given that respect. Each and every member should be given that respect. Now, the mere fact that no one is asked the question, who said no to having backup for the Capitol Police? That person, to me, has committed probably the biggest offense in this entire episode. Now, don't get me wrong. The people who did these bad things should be condemned, should be prosecuted to the nth degree. That's not even a question. That's not even a question. But the bottom line of it is, who said no to backing our Capitol Police officers? Just like in the case of Benghazi. Who said no to having our military go to the embassy to save our ambassador? Someone said no to saving American lives. And someone said no to supporting the Capitol building when you knew, when you were told repeatedly that there was very likely prospects of, of trouble. Now you have 5,000, 10,000 troops when you don't even have any sign of any problems. No, not even a sign. You don't have people protesting down, down the street. You, you don't have people on, on jet planes flying into DC in, in, in large numbers to do, do bad things. You're just doing it because. And it's sad. It's absolutely sad, downright pathetic.
and the media, get off of your hump and do your job. That's why people don't trust you because you don't ask questions when you don't want that. You don't want to hear the answer because the answer offends your base. That's why you have a problem. You wonder why, oh, Republicans need to be detoxed. No, you need to do your job. Think of Walter Conkright, okay? Think of Chet Huntley, David Brinkley. Be reporters. Don't be Dear Abby. Don't be Ann Landers. We don't want your opinion. Gary, Dear Abby, and, and Ann Landers were opinion writers. <laughs> we don't want your opinion. We don't care about your opinion. We want you to be news people, journalists, ask questions, probe, get to the truth. Tell the truth. Don't spin the news. And that's a classic example, Gary. So I'm glad he asked that question. So, Dad, you've been very hard on Dr. Fauci on your Twitter page. Uh, what is your beef with Fauci? <laughs> with Dr. Fauci? Dr. Fauci, we love you, guy. Uh, he's the highest paid government worker, making $419,000. We love you. You've been there since the 80s. I just think that... Uh, <laughs> I just have a problem with the fact that I believe you played a major role in turning this COVID-19 into a political football. And you, you sided with one side and you were clearly against the other side. And it came across that way with most Republicans. Thus, it was no surprise that you were one of the first hires of President Biden. And Dr. Briggs was not. And so it became very clear that uh, and she handled herself, I think, far better than you did as far as not being political. And also the other pet peeve I have is that I, I, I use words like should and may and could, because those words, if I had a dollar for every time you use may and should and could, you know, I probably um, wouldn't be making $419,000, but it would add up to a lot of money because you say it all the time. And what does could mean? What does should mean? What does may mean? It means may not or could not, you know, it, it, go, it go either way. And so one of my Twitter remarks said that you have a batting average about like Joe DiMaggio. You, know, you were the one that said 2.4 million Americans were going to die with COVID. And you were the one that when you were working with then Vice President Biden, where 50 million Americans caught the swine flu. You know, 50 million. And we're half that amount here with COVID. Now, COVID is far more deadly, don't get me wrong. But still, so I, I just think about the time you said you'd be shooting your mask, and then you said you know mask would help only because it will help you f from giving the virus to someone else, and then you came back and said no, the mask would help you not get COVID as well as help not to spread it to someone else, and then you came back and said everyone should wear one mask, and now you're saying everyone obviously if you wear one mask, if you wore two, would it be better? Duh. I mean, that's what you came back and said that to us. Like, and we're scratching our heads. What are you going to say next? I mean, what, what you keep moving the bar, you keep changing the story. And yet the media, because you were working so well in the business, but the political football, they give you a pass. They don't ask you, you know, anything. okay, that's fine. Me like that. No problem. That's part of the problem. And, and the media thinks that Americans are just stupid. And, and that's why you, you keep scratching your head and see that 70% or 90% of Republicans have a certain belief that's totally different from your belief, liberal mainstream media, and you scratch your head, you don't understand it. Try to understand the fact that you're not being truthful with us. And so the biggest lie that you want to turn, now we hear the word big lie, the biggest lie was a Russian hoax, okay? That was the biggest lie, because that took us, that, that lasted, I don't know how many years, okay? Almost four years, of, we had to hear about the Russian, 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 Russia, Russia. You know, I thought I was looking at a James Bond movie. That was the biggest lie and it distracted from, from Americans and from Congress for, for many, many years. 
But the problem I do have with the President Biden talking about unity and then going out and signing 25 executive orders, that too does not represent unity because it's just you, one side, one person, signing things, making it the, the law of the land by executive fiat. Uh, there's no unity in that. <laughs> there's no discussion in that. There's no asking for the other side's opinion on that. It's just you doing what you want to do. And so it's kind of hypocritical for him to uh, really espouse this whole unity thing and then go out of his way to to do more executive orders than I think I saw. I think if you look at the last three presidents combined, they didn't do as many executive orders as Joe Biden has done. That's combined. That's combined. Put them all together. And there's the start of their administration, the first two weeks, they did not do as many executive orders as Joe Biden, which means he's going it alone. And that does not represent unity. It represents being hypocritical. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, so just a follow-up, you mentioned President Biden's and executive orders. Which one did you feel like was the worst one? Well, or the there are a number, but I'm just, just going to, for the sake of time, talk about two. One I'll talk about very quickly. I am pro-life, even though I voted when I was in office 20-something years ago as a pro-choice, pro-life person. But to me, to use federal funds to allow countries to use you know, U.S. dollars for abortions is something that uh, is kind of a, a very disappointing. But the, the one that has a, a broader reach as far as the United States would be concerned would be on energy. With the stroke of a penny, eliminated 11,000 jobs on the Keystone XL pipeline. Stroke of a pen. The governor of Montana said that it will cost this state over $100 million in taxes each and every year for that pipeline to be shut down. You scratch your head. You say a pipeline, you have a pipe, it, the oil flows through, it gets to the destination in the USA coming from Canada. Now you're going to have to use trucks. <laughs> so which is not what you're, I mean, it defeats the purpose. So it's, it's not a wise thing to, to do. And it's a very unfortunate that so many jobs are, are going to be lost for this uh, stroke of a pen decision. The moratorium on exploring for energy on federal lands as well as on the on the coastline as well in the water is just something that uh, will also cost a number of jobs. We are energy independent right now, thanks to fracking and other other measures. We're energy independent. We do not need the Middle East for any of our oil. We do not need to look at Russia or China for any. No, we're we're totally energy independent. And now they want to make this rapid shift toward their answer toward climate change. When I saw, we saw the movie. We saw the movie when, when the President Obama administration went off on the tangent on climate change and they had this company called Solandra. And I talk about this on my Twitter page. And Solandra was a total disaster. It almost cost the, the nation, I think, almost a billion dollars in, in, in this, and in, in frolicking down on this path. I'm not saying that we should not look at better ways to produce energy in a cleaner manner. No, we should all be doing that. You know, that's not even a question. I applaud the fact that General Motors and Ford are going to uh, be making more energy efficient cars. We all believe in that. I can remember the days in the 60s, Gary, when you'd be driving down a highway and all you see is just smoke all over the place. I remember going to Los Angeles when I graduated from, I think it was high school, and I couldn't believe all the smog that 
was in Los Angeles. Just you never saw the blue skies, and now that's been you know we've they've taken measures to alleviate all of that. And and can we do better? Yes. And so I applaud that. But when it comes to uh, to trying to do without fossil fuels, when a lot of those products, a lot of products are made from. I mean, make plastic out of out of fossil fuels. I mean, there, there's some short-sightedness here, and and that shift or that turn is just one in which would allow them to um, go with the the plan that some of the members, the Green Deal. That's the plan. That's what I'm looking for. Going with that Green Deal prospect, which you know I um I, I do not think was a as a wise thing to to be overly advocating, but. To begin with, to get rid of all those jobs because of the because of the shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, I think it was was very unfortunate. Following three terms on the City Council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. So, Dad, what do you think President Joe Biden should do? Well, I believe that what he would like to do as quickly as possible, and he has the ability to do this, is to bring our country together. And I, and I know that sounds like a trite statement, but it's very much, very much needed. We've had a great deal of partisanship going on. And whenever you demonize one person for so long, try to impeach him, that the Democrats did so many things to Trump and failed, quite frankly, that, um, you know, it causes a rift and that that's something that needs to be, um, needs to be fixed. So my recommendations to President-elect Biden, he will not take. I'll say that right from the beginning. But I believe that each and every one of these recommendations would bring our country together because it would help Republicans to heal and it will help independence to heal. It would help the 74 million people who voted against President Joe Biden to heal. But will he do it? No, because it's, it's, it's too painful, because he, he has been protected so much by the, the mainstream media, never given any tough questions, that you know it would be hard for him to do these, these things I'm going to mention right now. In fact, I pray that he will take any, any one of these and say, hey, I'm going to try to do this, because I think any one of these could, could obviously move the ball forward. So let's start. Number one would be admit that you've been a big liar in your past. He's not going to do that. But admit that the two times that you ran for president, you really weren't able to do so because you lied to the public. You plagiarized people's speeches. You plagiarized people's work when you were in college. And all of this can be documented and just let people know, hey, I'm not perfect. I've been caught lying several times. That's what you used to tell the people. Just being very candid with people. But, you know, I've learned a lot from those experiences. And I'm trying to turn out a new leaf in life. But I'm not going to say to you that I have been perfect or I have not 
lied to the American people in the past, because you have. So if you admitted that, when most people know, a lot of people, not most people, but political people, they know. So whenever you get on TV and, and say to people, one thing for sure, I'm not going to lie to you. And everyone knows in the political realm that you've lied several times. Very few presidential candidates have ever had to lead the race because of lying. But you did. So just admit it and just say it. But say it as though we're going to move forward. And then this is, I'm your president. I'm going to recognize the fact that everyone makes mistakes. I've made mistakes. And go forward. But don't try to hide it. And don't try to say, hey, you want to... You want to get a straight shooter, you're looking at me. No, because you know you weren't. You haven't been. So he's not going to do that. The second thing he needs to do, Gary, is admit that when he handled the last pandemic, that his chief of staff was right, that they messed it up, that it was really a disaster, and that 50 million Americans were infected. Just say it. Admit it. And say, hey, I've, I've learned lessons from it. I know that I know now how to better handle future pandemics, but don't think that people don't know because yes, maybe just the political people, don't try to say that you you have all this infinite wisdom on how to do things with COVID when you failed, when you, you had the opportunity when you were vice president. He's not gonna do that. Third would be to admit that everything that you've said was already being done or already was said you know, so on COVID. Everything, I mean, every single thing, every single thing you actually plagiarized or just used and made it your own. Everything. The Defense Production Act, it was being done already, okay? It was already being done. Wearing a mask, it was being done already, okay? In fact, Fauci, he, he was all over the lot because he said he didn't need to do it. But we should all remember Fauci's one of his first statements. But he said 2.4 million Americans will die with COVID-19. 2.4 if we do nothing. 2.4 million Americans will die. Well, believe me, every single life that's been lost is a tragedy. But that was the first prediction. Not wearing masks was the first recommendation. And we wonder why we have problems. So when we look at the ideas, the so-called new ideas that you, you've had, it's not new. None, none of it's new. None of it's new. And so don't try to say that like, these are new ideas, that these are my plans are going to. No, that's all that does is, try, is divide our country. So why don't you just admit that and say that we're going to continue to go work? And, what, and that takes me to my next point. Stop spiking the ball. There's no need to keep criticizing Donald Trump. What's the value in that? What's the value in that? It's like, it's like losing the baseball. You, know, it's like you, you beat the team in the World Series or in basketball, the, the Lakers beating the Celtics, and you still say the Celtics are just a terrible group of people. Oh, Celtics are bad. Hi, you Lakers, you won. There's no need to keep criticizing or keep throwing salt on the wound of the Boston Celtics who lost. There's no need. You won. So why are you still throwing salt on the wound? Why are you spiking the ball in the end zone? Why are you doing this wild dance in the end zone? Why are you flipping the bat in the air after hitting a home run? It's bad, it's sad, and it's not wise. But he's not gonna do that. So, next point would be, what, what will they do after you play a game and you win the game? You actually commend the other side. You know, when, when Saban, Alabama beat Notre Dame. Oh, you know, Notre Dame was a tough team. You know, we really would, would like to, to congratulate Notre Dame. Notre Dame wasn't tough. You kicked their butt. Everyone says that after a contest. We all can make, well, Trump didn't do it. That doesn't, 
who won? You did. So if you're the one, you should be saying nice things and kind things and trying to bring the 74 million people who did not vote for you in the fold. But by your continuing the campaign and continuing to spike the ball, you're chasing 74 million Americans away from you. Every time you're talking, oh, I'm not getting cooperation on this thing. This is not going to. Well, let's be more positive. That's the other thing you want. Let's be more positive. Being positive and being thankful for whatever is brought before you, you will make America greater than it's ever been. But you won't do it. Because I think that, that many people in, in all walks of life should, should remember to praise God and be thankful for whatever we're able to, to achieve. We're all going to have challenges. We're all going to have trials. We're not going to get what we want. We're going to get, God willing, what God feels would be best for us at that time. And that should be remembered. Now, because I've gone on pretty long, I'm not going to go over the next three or four points that President Joe Biden should adopt. So we have to save that for next week, folks. But if Joe Biden would listen to these points, it would make a difference. So we're out of time for today. Don't forget to subscribe. So obviously I've not been watching a lot of um So obviously I've not been watching a lot of LeBron James games this season. So dad, I'm asking you, um is LeBron James um worthy to be the front runner for the MVP as of now? So I haven't been watching a lot of LeBron James games this season, but ESPN has LeBron James as the front runner. So, Dad, do you think LeBron should be the front runner? So I haven't been watching a lot of LeBron James games this season, but ESPN has LeBron as the front runner for the MVP. So, Dad, do you think LeBron should be the front runner right now? So, Dad, there was a big NFL trade that happened um, this past week. Uh, Matthew Stafford was traded uh, to the Rams for two first-round picks, Jared Goff, and a third-round pick. Do you like this trade for the Rams? So, there was a big NFL trade that happened uh, this past week. Uh, Matthew Stafford was traded from the Lions to the Rams for two first-round picks, Jared Goff, and a third-round pick. Do you like this pick for the Rams? So because of the Matthew Stafford trade, or Deshaun Watson's uh, Trade value has increased tremendously. And obviously, some teams have harder time getting quarterbacks than others. Uh, and I'm not going to say any names, but there's one particular GM that struggles with picking quarterbacks.
So, Dad, I have to ask. So, Dad, I have to ask. How did the Cardinals keep getting great players like Nolan Arenado? So, Dad, I have to ask. How did the Cardinals keep getting great players like Nolan Arenado? I'm a, I mean, from the Lions perspective, you know, I feel bad for Jared Goff. Uh, being a Super Bowl, um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, from the Lions' perspective, I feel bad for Jared Goff first off because he's going from L.A. to Detroit. But at least the Detroit uh, Lions have a starting quarterback, and they're getting a bunch of picks in return.